you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at laist.com sweeps. Hey everybody, welcome to Off Ramp from LAist Studios. I'm John Raby. Before we go any further, if you missed the last episode, it was a good one starring Tom Jones. We've also spoken with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and gone into a fallout shelter. So if you're brand new to the Off Ramp podcast, check out the archive. Anyway, Paul Newman's memoir is out, The Extraordinary Life of an Ordinary Man, and it's getting a lot of press. And it reminded me of the wonderful commentary that journalist Karen Oakham did when Paul Newman died in 2008. It's strange how someone's death can trigger the oddest memories. When I heard that Paul Newman died, I flashed to when he walked into the house where I was babysitting and said, Come on, kid, let's clean these fish. Piercing blue eyes, brilliant smile, easygoing but a little hurried, tight white t-shirt and blue jeans, He was holding a box of fish he and my summer job boss had just caught. Ugh. But it was Paul Newman, so I couldn't tell him, are you crazy? Instead, I said something like, isn't that the man's job? He would have none of that. It was 1965 in Westport, Connecticut, a liberal stronghold. And I was 15, transitioning from good girl to rebel. And he knew more about the women's liberation movement than I did. Newman pretended not to notice my embarrassment and talked about how they caught the fish. I wasn't listening. I was focused on not touching the smelly, slimy things. He seemed amused by my discomfort. He had three teenagers at home, including Scott, who was my age. Several years later, shortly after Woodstock, I ran into Scott and we smoked some pot together and chatted. I remember how unhappy he was. He was very dark and flippant. I was not sure what he was so pissed off about. In 1978, Scott died of an accidental overdose. I was pretty dark and suicidal by then, too. But luckily, I worked for CBS News, which had an employee assistance program, and they helped me to get sober in 1980. Years later, I ran into Paul Newman at a fundraiser. Thinking I might never see him again, I pulled him aside, reminded him of the fish story, and then told him how sorry I was to hear about Scott. By then, he had set up the Scott Newman Foundation to help people learn about alcohol and drug abuse. I told him about smoking pot with Scott and how dark we had both become. And suddenly, in this cocoon of intimacy that surrounded us, I became overwhelmed and blurted out, I don't know why him and not me. His eyes welled up and he hugged me. Just be thankful you're still alive, he said. I told him, I am. I'm very grateful and I'll never forget, Scott. I promise. Thank you, he said, giving me one more hug before returning to the party. This year I celebrated 28 years clean and sober and I haven't forgotten Scott Newman. And I've never forgotten how kind Paul Newman was to a strange teenage girl who didn't want to get her hands dirty cleaning fish. Hell, his little lesson about women's independence may have helped create the rabble I became and remain. For Off Ramp, I'm Karen Oakham. That commentary originally aired on Off Ramp back in 2008 when Paul Newman died. In 1994, the Academy gave Paul Newman the Gene Hersholt Humanitarian Award. And we'll explain who Gene Hersholt was after this break. This is Off Ramp from LAS Studios. 
The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com slash sweeps. From LAS Studios, this is Off Ramp. I'm John Raby. Welcome back. Back in 1994, Tom Cruise presented to Paul Newman the Gene Hersholt Humanitarian Award. For me, the pride of being part of these evenings comes from a moment like this. The Board of Governors has voted the Gene Hersholt Award to an actor-director who uses his considerable fame, more than considerable charm, and bottomless compassion to make this world a safer, happier place for some of us and our kids. The Academy's Oscar is a measure of a movie maker's art. The Herschelt is a measure of his heart. No star has ever sought either less or deserved both more than Paul Newman. Consider some of the statistics of Paul's extraordinary generosity. Over $80 million from his own line of Newman's own food products, a company that allocates 100% of its profits to charity. The money is channeled into compassionate and educational activities, from camps for children battling cancer, to programs preventing and healing the ravages of drug abuse, to new directions in education, to providing new opportunities for the handicapped, the famous people players. Paul Newman gives more than money. He gives himself. So who is Gene Herschel? This is Off Ramp. I'm Alex Benblock, editor-at-large of The Hollywood Reporter. If you watch the Oscars, you've seen them give out the Gene Herschelt Humanitarian Award, one of the most touching parts of the ceremony. So in my quest to discover stories from the Hollywood Walk of Fame, I sought out Hollywood's original Great Dane and found his star right here at 6501 Hollywood Boulevard. In movies and radio, Herschelt played gentle but intelligent characters full of heart. I always remember him as Shirley Temple's grandfather in the classic 1937 version of Heidi. This looks like a wonderful story. What's it about? It's about the magic wooden shoes. A long, long time ago, there was a little Dutch girl named Nietzsche. Jean Herschelt was born in Copenhagen in 1886 to Danish theatrical family and began acting in silent movies in Europe around the turn of the century. He emigrated to America in 1913 and soon headed to Hollywood where he moved quickly from extra to bit player to star. Herschel appeared altogether in 75 silence and another 65 sound movies, but in 1936 he found his defining role in The Country Doctor, playing a gentle, intelligent physician in small town America. I should have said epidemic spinal meningitis. What's that? It's a highly contagious disease with a high mortality rate. A single case may spread rapidly over the whole district, especially if there are unsanitary conditions, overcrowding, malnutrition, an excessive dampness. He took the character to radio as Dr. Christian, named for his favorite author and fellow Dane, Hans Christian Andersen. Dr. Christian ran on radio for 17 years until 1954. Herschel was so authentic, listeners wrote asking for medical advice. In the 1930s, Mary Pickford headed the Motion Picture Relief Fund, which helped show business people down on their luck. She enlisted Herschel, 
and together they instituted a payroll deduction system that allowed studio workers to donate a tiny portion of their salary to the fund. In 1939, Hirschholt began a series of radio plays on behalf of the fund with top stars like Clark Gable, Humphrey Bogart, and Bob Hope, and they all donated their salary, as did the writers and directors. As fund president, Hirschholt acquired 48 acres of orange and walnut groves in Woodland Hills. On September 27, 1942, 3,000 members of the film community gathered as Pickford and Hirschholt broke ground on a home for old actors. Today on that property, the Motion Picture and Television Fund operates residential and assisted living facilities, as well as a hospital, health services center, and a facility for Alzheimer's patients, all at no cost to residents. Their motto since 1921 has been, we care for our own. In 1956, as his friends watched Herschel dying of cancer, the Movie Academy created the award in his name. He was buried in Forest Lawn Memorial Park, his grave marked by a statue of Claude's Hans, a Hans Christian Andersen character who had to leave Denmark to make his way in the world, just like Gene Hirschholt did. I'm show business historian Alex Ben Block, and we'll stroll down the Hollywood Walk of Fame again soon on Off Ramp. Alex's piece on Gene Hirschholt originally aired on Off Ramp back in 2008. Alex, by the way, is the author of the best-selling The Legend of Bruce Lee. That's it for this edition of Off Ramp. Thanks so much for tuning in, for listening, for subscribing. Please do that. Thanks so much. From LA Studios, I'm John Raby, and I'll catch you next time on The Off-Ramp. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people.